Hello and welcome to the Wheel of Time Rewind Podcast. I am your host, Dylan Stoll, and I'm joined as always by my friend, Michael Wifford. We're going into the unknown. Into the unknown, as they say in Frozen 2. So, (laughs) um, before we jump into our breakdown here of Episode 6, The Flame of Tarvalin, we're just going to go through a couple business measures here first. So, as always, if you'd like to get in contact with the show, feel free to reach out to us through email at wheelofTimeRewind at gmail.com. Or if you're on social media for Instagram and Twitter, contact us there at WOT Rewind. Tag us, DM us, share our stuff, talk theories. We're game for it all. Jumping from that point here, I'm going to throw it to you, Mike. We have an email to read here. Woohoo! Our first email. And shout out here to Matthew Scott. And thank you for letting me know that our DMs on our Twitter were not actually open. Oops. I had to go in and <laughs> manually do that. Uh, <laughs> Shows how much I actually use that feature in my own personal Twitter account. But Matthew responded to last week's episode. Uh, and this is what he had said. Like the pod, here's my theory about the picture. And now he's referring to the picture or the the golden thing on the wall <laughs> in Moraine's room in the last episode. It's a picture Suan painted of Moraine. Nothing more special than that. However, its relevance is directly tied to the conversation Moraine just had with Lana, where she mentions how Suan is Moraine's enemy in the tower. And that if Moraine doesn't share her secrets, they're going to leave her as bare as the room. Then she opens up the box and shows the room isn't quite so bare, and by extension, she already shares her secrets with Suan, and no one else knows. It's really just foreshadowing their relationship. I bet we get a flashback about this next episode. (laughs) And I just want to say, bravo, man. That was some very good predictions there. The only thing Mm. you got wrong was there was no flashback. We basically got an entire episode about this. So way to go. That was great. Yeah, it was brilliant. Um, And I responded to him and I asked his thoughts on theories floating around on Facebook and other social media sites that it was tied to the Elfin and the Elfin and the uh, Terran Griel in the books. That is the ruby red door. The red doorway, yeah. Red doorway. I'm thinking Wizard of Oz. <laughs> ruby slippers. <laughs> yeah. And uh, in this, in the books, it's a Terran Griel. You step through and you're into another world. And in this world, there's these creatures, the Elfin and the Elfin. 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 Yeah, it's weird. It's like a, it's like... An E, and then Elfin, and then like an A, and an Elfin, an so elfin. it's yeah. kind of strange. Like Snake and Foxes, kind of basically. Snake and Foxes, yes, exactly. And they'll get hopefully they'll get referenced in the show. I hope we see them in the show. <laughs> yeah, it, obviously that didn't come to pass, but it is important to note last episode that there were the three faces in the rocks, and a lot of people speculate that those are kind of leaning into the Elfin uh, culture. So we'll see about that. But thank you so much, Matthew Scott. It was an excellent letter. We hope to hear from you. And uh, if anyone wants to try the DMs on Twitter, please go <laughs> ahead and do that. I'm looking forward to actually making sure it works. And if it doesn't, you can send me an email and I'll definitely respond to that. I know the Instagram DMs work. I have used them before. <laughs> so we are, we're good there. I run the Instagram, yeah. likes on the Twitter and the I'm email. So social media. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll see. All right. Jumping off of our little tangent there. Let's mm. get into this episode. So we start off with Young Swan and Tyr, which is a country um, in the world of the Wheel of Time here. 
And I think one of the fingers of the dragon, actually. It looks like she's on one of the Yeah, so the she looks like her father and her. There's like this little like delta area at the bottom of tier that leads from like this river into the Arth Ocean, and it's called the Fingers of the Dragon because of, you know, the dragon reborn and the the dragon the past loose theron. They just name lots of things. The something of the dragon. Kind of like Dragon Mount. All kinds of stuff like that in this world. But anyways, we have Tyr, which in this area here, Swan and her father are fishermen. And you see some of the fish language that Swan is famous for in the books come out, where there's no fish guts, but there are like some bastard swears. And also just talking about how um, you got to be clever as a pike and all kinds of Mm -hmm. stuff like that. So we see that Swan's father has only one hand and there's no explanation given for that, but maybe it was like chopped off for thievery earlier was my kind of thought on that. Who knows? I mean, it could be from anything. Fishing is, you know, dangerous industry. You're working with a lot of sharp items, knives, and also like silver pike and other fish. Yeah, dangerous, dangerous animals. But they're out in the water fishing and everything. And then Swan uses the one power to untangle the knots and help her father and then that was kind of cool, but what I want to Super talk about, talented. yeah, I want to talk about how it like showed her like talent at a young age and her dad's like, oh, you're getting better. Like last week you couldn't even untie a knot. And now here she is just like quickly going and doing her thing. And, but he cautions her to not use the one power so close to shore because in tier, the use of the one power is actually illegal. So like if they know you can channel, They'll allow Aes Sedai to come in, but they have to swear not to use the one power while they're there. But if you're a kid who shows the spark and can start a channel, they immediately ship you out of town that same day and send you to the tower. Mm-hmm. So it was a nice, it was really nice nod to the culture there in Tyr and how they feel about it. And then it leads very nicely into the next scene where they get home and, oh wait. There's no home anymore. Nope, and we got the Fang of the Dragon. Yeah, you got the Dragon's Fang uh, carved onto the door or burned onto a part of their house anyway. And so, like, in the book series, uh, people, if they want to, like, call you out for being, like, evil evil or something like that, yeah, they'll, like, carve the Dragon's Fang into your door or, or, like, burn it onto your house in this point here. And uh, they did a little more than that, and now... Unfortunately, you know, Swan's dad isn't going to have a fishing boat anymore because he's sending Swan off to the White Tower on that. He's not going to have a home anymore. And unfortunately, in this world, I don't think after Swan left for the White Tower, her father was able to survive too much longer. And I think she knew that as she was leaving. But you see uh, her dad give her like a couple nicknames here. He's like, you're Swan Sanche, daughter of the river, clever as a pike, strong as the tides. And just like reinforcing all of those things about Swan that we see Moraine mention later on in the episode here. And going and off you of... See her sh- and you see Suan like embody throughout the episode. Too. Yeah, right. And but like you see like some of the like fishing language thrown in there, the importance of like water lingo and everything. So that was a nice little callback to the books there that we got with some of that. Um, but something we'll see later on here is when Swan is an adult, she's coming in hot, you know, 
I don't think we see as much of like the gruffness and like the cursing that she's known for in the in the books there. She's much more regal, much more queenly, and she fits the role of like being like the Amerlin, this high, high lady, basically. That's exactly what I put down, that she was very formal and that she commanded respect. Yes. Um, because we cut into the scene here with in the tower, the hall of the tower, where she comes in, Loghain gets brought before her. And then we have uh, we have Liana being like, she comes, the watcher of the seals, the flame of Tarvalon, yeah. but no, Tarvalon. <laughs> the Amarlin yeah. seat. So we have Liana doing her like little best impression of what we see happen in Faldara in the books mm-hmm. where she gets out of the carriage, like bangs her staff and kind of gives us introduction before uh, Swan steps out into public here. But we're seeing this done in the hall of the tower here. And then she brings forward Loghain to get some judgment going on there. I like the scene. I thought Loghain did a really brilliant job. I love the Loghain like actor. A brilliant attempt at manip- manipulation to die coming in with uh, just that like acid just i was like he came oh, he yeah. woke up chose cho- choosing violence <laughs> yes morning. he chose violence today <laughs> and unfortunately suan never she saw right never through. reacted i was actually kind of disappointed that the other i said i too didn't keep it very yeah they did know, react chest. that was something else i wanted to talk about here it's like we see Loghain coming in and being like, it took nine of you to take out one of me. What do you think everyone's going to think about how weak you are now? And knowing that I killed one of you and like trying to get them to kill him. Yeah. But like one of the things like Mike brought up here is Aes Sedai are known for that Aes Sedai calm. And we did not see Aes Sedai calm in this episode. Like we saw Aes Sedai like gasps, reactions, lots of... A Leandrin, like, chewing on her cheek and, like, looking like yeah. she had something nasty to say, and she definitely <laughs> did, but we'll get to that in a minute. But Loghain ends up begging for death, and Swan's like, nah, fam, you're living. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's just perfect because, you know, Swan is from the Blue Aja, so, like, which, as we know, they're a bunch of little spies and everything, so... Swan's like, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty good at reading what people actually want. I know you want me to react, so I'm not going to do that. <laughs> but it was good. I really like the actor they have playing Loghain. Really like yeah, him a lot. He, he's really good. And I look forward to hopefully seeing more of him later on. Me too. Me too. Um, and then we get it. It goes into, uh, you know, Loghain's taken out, carried out of the room there. And then the Amarlin, Suan, is... Looking at Leandrin like, ooh, you done messed up, girl. <laughs> you done messed up. Uh, and I liked Leandrin's response. She's going to get pen- some kind of penance or some kind of punishment for her action. But it was Le- it was really Leandrin's response to the Amarlin that I want to talk about. Because, you know, after Moraine and after Alana stand up for Leandrin's decision to end Loghain. Or to, sorry, to... Suffer him from the source, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Leandrin's immediately like, well, what about Moraine, Mom? I'm going to go ahead and push all my guilt over here onto her. Look what she did. Hmm. 
Let me slink off a little bit. Yeah, like you could just oh, tell by the look in her on her face that she's like, I want to say something so bad right now. <laughs> like she's just like turning away, chewing on her tongue and cheek, and like she yeah. looked like she was pissed. <laughs> but what I want to get at before we get into what Leandrin's response was okay. was how Alana, a green Aja Aes Sedai, defended yeah. a red Aja Aes Sedai for gentling a man with no trial out in the wild there. And then Moraine, a blue Aja Aes Sedai, did as well. And why that's significant is because how that represents a shifting of alliances within the tower, how it mm-hmm. shows just how much things are changing within the tower. And like we see um, later on with the other blue sister talking with Moraine about this, and we'll get to that later too. But getting back to Leandra and tattletaling on Moraine here. So she's like... Showing her true colors. Yeah, she's showing her true colors. She's showing that she is that snake in the grass that Nynaeve called her out for being. And so Mm -hmm. she's like, why are you mad at me when Moraine, who's a blue spy, has been out in the world the last two years didn't give any warning that this man was amassing his army, didn't give any warning that Trollocs were going to be coming down and attacking Emmons Field and the Two Rivers. Why did Moraine fail in her duty to not report this to me, not report this to you, to not protect us as an Aes Sedai? I thought this scene was, this part was kind of weird because Blue in the books, the Blue Aja is all about their causes and going after it in the show they're kind of painting that a little bit but they're really focusing on the ears and eyes networks right. and making them seem like a bunch of spies and it's kind of weird but i mean the blue aja I mean, do have the largest eyes and ears network in yes, the books and but every single aja has their own eye and ears network correct so i don't really think it's, it's more of like an Aes Sedai trait, the spying and stuff, than a Blue Aja mm-hmm. specific. But they are making it much more Blue Aja specific here in the show. But so Nynaeve was brought up again being like, she brought this woman who is the most powerful Chandler we've seen in a thousand years. And she wasn't even going to bring her to the tower. Like, she was trying to hide her from us, trying to hide her from me. And Nynaeve was brought up in that way because... Again, Leandrin, she wants to manipulate the situation. She's like, Moraine, as an Aes Sedai, you know, has this duty to basically to bring her to the tower for training. But was she going to do that if I wasn't there forcing her hand? And so she's trying to get Swan to deflect some anger, again, on Moraine here. And this part, I had some thoughts on here. Moraine says that she did not know Nynaeve could channel. And in the books, you have... It clearly stated out that an Aes Sedai can, when they get close to a person, a woman especially, because, um, you know, they can't sense Sidene. They can only sense Sidar. Uh, but if they, if Maureen got close enough to Nynaeve, she would be able to tell she could channel. And she does that in the books. She knows Nynaeve can channel right from the get-go in Emmons Field. However, here... It's portrayed that she did not know she could do that. What are your thoughts on that, Mike? Maybe it's more like fully channel. She might have think thought she just blocked herself off because she does talk about how like I saw that or in one of the previous episodes she talked with when she was talking with Egwene, she talked about how 
some people listening to the wind is like being connected to the source but she doesn't really say like they're the same thing like being able to channel and listening to the wind are the same thing i agree with what you say and in the book it's very clear that if you can channel like women can sense that at least the spark right not the ability to learn right the spark spark which Nynaeve has yeah so it's kind of odd that she didn't notice it but to also be fair they didn't spend a whole lot of oh they spent a whole month together never mind yeah they spent a whole month together she should have known (laughs) um but anyways they're just doing this to make it to add some more dramatic effect and to make her be a possible dragon Exactly. But anyway, so Leandrin, she calls out Swan for, you know, not really having interest in learning more about what Moraine was up to. She's like, well, are you not interested because you used to be Blue Aja yourself? Oh, which, snap. Which that is why Mike did that is because you do not mention what Aja, the the Amarlins, came from. Because she's supposed to be of all Ajas and none, show impartiality. And so to basically imply that you're showing members of your old Aja favor, then, you know, that is a big deal being an Armelin. So that Yo, forces... She should have smacked Leandra down, she though, should have. for that comment. But we too. see we see in this episode that Swan does not smack anybody down, which, uh, except for Moraine in this scene right here, where she yeah. basically rounds on Moraine. Yeah, she, yeah. she is forced into this. She's rounding on Moraine, calling her out, like, what's your purpose for traveling? And meanwhile, you know, as a book reader, that Swan knows what Moraine's purpose is. And we find it out later in this show that Swan did know what her purpose was. But they're keeping it a secret. They can't let anyone else know. So they play it up. And then Swan basically calls out another no-no for Aes Sedai by saying, oh, Moraine Damadre, do you feel like you are above us since you are nobly born? Because Moraine is nobly born. She's from the royal family in Kyrian. And that's another no-no because you're mentioning the Aes Sedai's past life, basically. And once you become a full Aes Sedai, you are sealed to the tower. You are your Aes Sedai. You're Moraine Sedai. You're not Moraine Damadred. You are now forever an Aes Sedai. So that was just Swan basically giving it back to Moraine because she had to. So what were your thoughts on the rest of that scene there, Mike? Yeah, I, I wish she had done a little bit more to, like, quiet Leandrin in that scene, too. too. But I do think they're playing up the fact that she probably can't because Leandrin has gained so much favor in the hall, as they said last episode. Right. I, I thought it was, it was very... It was really good because even during that episode, I was like, knowing their relationship, I was still like, oh, wow, nice. They're really playing this up to prove that, yeah, like, there's this dual relationship, how they have to be in public versus in private. Right. I was going to say, I will say, I thought they did a really good job, like, making it seem like Swan and Moraine were, in fact, enemies, as mm-hmm. opposed to being allies and lovers, as we find out later. But... I want to say as well, I thought that the tower actually looked like it had had presence. It had people this episode. Yeah. So I was really happy to see that since that was one of the complaints we had for the last episode. So then we have Moraine going out and searching for Rand and Matt with Lan. 
and we see in the background Nynaeve and Loyal slinking off out of focus in the background there. And Lan pops up and be like, found them. They're right here. So I wanted to bring this up to you because I, I was last episode we talked about how the inn that they went to was should have been the Queen's Blessing. But I was like, oh, maybe it's the Amarlin's Blessing. The inn is called the Light's Blessing. So nice. I was like, great. And Did not just that, that, you go to the X-Ray. Name? Yes, it's Basil Gill. We totally called too. that out. And we were like, yeah. Uh, I, like, uh, I did say <laughs> that it seemed like she knew. Yes. She did know that they had gotten into town, yes. at least from her eyes and ears enough. Because she was sitting there. And I just, I like that scene because, like you said, like, she's just sitting there. She, I feel like she knew where they were and just having land double check. and Right. Make yeah, sure they didn't move. Cool. But yeah, like I legitimately, yeah. I was watching it on my couch, and I pause it, and I look go through, and I see the name of the innkeeper's Basil Gill, and I just start fist pumping in the air, and I'm like, yeah. But um, we have Rand be an idiot and a woolhead and draw his sword <laughs> on Moraine and Lan, like well, he's gonna do he did anything. Just see what happened to Loghain. And well, Rand did not that see that. Channel. Well, I know, but he saw the after effects and right the parade. Yeah. But yeah, so he's like, I'm going to defend you and Lan. There's this great meme where that I've seen where it's like, Rand brings out his sword, Lan brings out his finger. <laughs> and it's like, no. <laughs> and it's like, this is all I need to beat you. Um, so we have, this right here is actually probably my favorite scene in the entire um, episode here for episode six. That is really cool. Where we have... Lan pinning Matt down. Or so we're pinning Lan. Oh my god. Rand. <laughs> Lan is pinning Rand down. Lan on Rand. Bed. Yeah, Lan on Rand. Uh, pinning him down while Moraine gets a sl- like a slash from Matt. like Or at least Matt tries to slash her with a dagger. She quickly stops him with the air, bundles him up, and withdraws the corruption from his body there. And seals it to the dagger. Yeah, seals it back Such into cool the dagger. Scene. That scene was so cool. It really reminded me of like watching in, like an exorcism happen because like Matt was basically possessed. We had talked he about that. Host. So yeah. yeah, and so I thought I that, that was a really cool like, scene. Oh, he tri- <laughs> when Rand was like pulled out his sword and they t- took him out. He's like, oh, he tries. Yeah, <laughs> he knew he was gonna get it, but I thought it was really funny how Matt was like. Go ahead. The world doesn't need a dragon like me. Like, it's like, come on, Matt. You know you can't channel. Like, what are you doing there, man? But one thing I thought that was interesting is if you watch this scene, you see Rand following what appears to be Moraine's weaving. But later on in the episode, it does say, or Rand comes out and says, I could see the corruption, you know, coming out of him. And I saw it, like, going on to you and everything. So he did not see Moraine's weaves. He saw the blackness mm-hmm. of the evil of Shatter Logoth going along those weaves onto Moraine's face and then into the dagger, which I thought it was cool because it looked like it tried to get into Moraine, but she had her yeah. mouth closed the entire time. So didn't feel like going Very up her like nose a or anything. Venom symbiote. Like. Yeah. Again, probably my favorite scene here. But what it I was thought really was. Cool. Yeah, what I thought was interesting was that Lan just covers the dagger with a blanket, and then we never see the dagger again. 
in this episode, yes. at least. I'm like, and it makes what? me think <laughs> some things at the end of the very end of the episode. Yes, which we'll talk about that when we get there. Yeah, I don't know how I feel about all that bit at the end, but yeah, we'll get there. Uh, now we skip over to the tower, right? To the bath scene. Well, not yet, because we have some cool oh, scenes right. here with Nynaeve and Moraine and Rand. So first of all, Rand comes out and being like, Finally. hey, sorry, I've, I messed up. <laughs> I shouldn't have <laughs> drawn my so sword bad. on you. Yeah, thanks for helping my friend. And I'm like, okay, thank you, Rand, for finally being civil towards Moraine. <laughs> and not being a wool-headed sheep herder. Yes. So Moraine says that Matt is healed of his connection to the dagger, but that if he touches it again, it could last forever, or he could be lost forever. Which I thought was interesting, because in the books, we have Matt get, like, healed a little bit by Moraine while he is still attached to the dagger. But she states how Mm -hmm. she cannot fully separate that connection because of how deep and powerful that is. And it takes, like, a whole bunch of Aes Sedai linking together to heal Matt of that connection to the dagger. So yeah. I don't know, like like you said, if this is setting up for something for next season or if this is potentially, you know, going to be all we get to see of that connection with Matt and the dagger. But either I way... I think so. I think that'll come back. I think so too. Uh, either way, we have Nynaeve come in next and Moraine gives her the tongue lashing Ooh-wee. she finally deserves. Yeah, She's like... You almost killed your friend. If How wis- dare you not tell me? <laughs> yeah, if wisdom is a title you claim, I suggest you start using some. And I was mm. like, that's such a great line. I love that line. Burn. Yes. But now yeah, was, we get to the bath scene. Line. Yeah, and she had her basket of herbs thinking she could heal them all by herself. Of course. Nynaeve is so proud of her for the fact that she knows her herbs. and Herbs. herbs. Yeah. <laughs> But then we have the bath scene here, which actually Ooh, has steamy. the first actual nudity in the show. And I thought well, that... Well, outside of Lan's booty. Well, Lan's booty is fine. You know, that's not, like, not full <laughs> frontal nudity. <laughs> so Well, this was that really won't just get you the R rating. You saw some boobs. I'll yes. call it what it is. Okay. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> like, the rest of it was fine. Like, but I thought it was a funny way to, like, that they actually have it going on here. Because I... I do not think they would be including nudity in the show. I thought they'd go with like implied nudity, which is what they did with Moraine and um, Mirren or what's her name? Megan. Uh, Megan. Yeah. Megan. Which was uh, her actress is Sandy McDade. And I thought she did a nice job of kind of being that head blue. Yeah, I, th- I liked her. I thought she was kind of cool with her like Irish accent coming in mm-hmm. or whatever it was. But. I was like, oh, I gotta make sure I really listen here to get here. But this was an important scene. Yes, she has some. She really explained the state of the world. Yeah. So she tells Moraine how Swan's losing her grip, and Moraine's like, with sanity or with her power, Mm. and it's basically just like referencing again how Leandrin is gaining power in the White Tower here. Then she says, you know, there's ships disappearing off the west coast. The Sean Chan. Which, yeah, that's 100% what it is. <laughs> and then she's like, I'm going to have to go explore it. I'm like, oh, girl. Yeah, don't <laughs> do that. I think the next time we see you, you might have a collar. <laughs> have some new bling, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, she mentions how there's Aiel this side of the spine of the world, which we already knew, actually, from when we were in Bree's Spring there, 
and right. Matt and Tom were talking about the IEL and everything. And then how Megan wants Moraine in the tower permanently. And Moraine on the inside is probably screaming right now. <laughs> yeah, after because, she, after Lan was like, we're yeah. home. And she was like, She's like this is a home now. My home. Yeah, yeah. Now, I want to ask you this, Mike. So yeah. I might be wrong here, but in the books, isn't Megan the head of the Blue Aja? I believe she is. I didn't get a chance to look that up before we recorded, but I that name was very familiar, and I thought she was. That's what I thought. I didn't check either, but... I thought it was. I was like, oh, I got this fancy new Wheel of Time encyclopedia, basically. <laughs> and I could have looked it up, but I just didn't. Um, I will before the next episode, probably. Um, but we then get the mention about how Moraine doesn't really meet with other sisters in the tower. She meets in like her own locations, like separate locations from that. And again, it just shows the disconnect that Moraine feels between the White Tower and the people there and how she's much more comfortable on the road in the world doing her own thing. Um, Moraine finds Egwene and Perrin in her super busy day here because <laughs> all of this, you know, finding Rand and Matt, going to the bathhouse with Megan, going and finding Egwene and Perrin all happens in the span of a single day, or at least it seems that way. And so Moraine finds uh, Perrin with the yellow sisters and tells Egwene that she has people watching for Rand and Matt, but has it on good authority that they're alive. Basically just twisting her words around, not coming out and saying, oh, I just mm-hmm. saw them, but not wanting Egwene to go to them yet. So well, that way, by keeping them separate, she kind of keeps control. Over exactly, them. exactly. So Egwene comes out and says, you know, that, Valda won't hurt any more of your sisters. Moraine <coughs> goes and says, or gives her like this look. Moraine gives Egwene this look and kind of like an eyebrow raise and Egwene kind of nods, insinuating that she killed Valda. I don't think so. <laughs> I was going to say, I think she's mistaken, but she thinks she took care of him. But yeah, she's happy Egwene. to get the... Okay. Yeah, she's happy to get the rings back of mm-hmm. from Valda. All oh, that's great, but then Egwene starts casually dropping how Perrin has yellow eyes now, and Moraine freaks Moraine out. Knows. I think Moraine knows. Moraine does know. Yes, and we get an interesting part here where Moraine says that we don't know what shape the dragon will take or what mm-hmm. power they'll wield. Mm-hmm. Which is great because in the books, at a certain point, um, in one of the dreams that the Dark One appears in, he mentions how the Wolf Brother power is something that he had seen before and dealt with, and it wasn't that big of a deal. And um, I thought that was kind of nice. That sort, it was kind. I felt like it was a nod towards that. Yeah, I agree with you there. I think that it was an interesting little twist there. Mm-hmm. Again, trying to keep it secret who the dragon is. Yes. Then we go back to the tower where Moraine is sitting there, straightening, combing out her hair in her PJs. Meanwhile, Lan is like, there you are. Oh yeah, she's getting ready. (laughs) But Moraine masked the bond with Lan while she was doing this to get ready for some private time with Swan. And I thought it was interesting because... 
the way that it's described, if you read the trivia for this episode here, is that mm-hmm. masking your bond is the essentially letting it cease to exist for a temporary period here. So, like, mm. it's almost like she released ba- a land of his bond here for this little excursion to go see Swan. And I thought that was interesting because, you know, I I don't think that'd be something she would typically do. But, whatever. Uh, <laughs> Lan well, mentions the how... Last time, the last time was two, two years. years ago. Which coincides hey, with... Hey, she was in the tower. Yep. So maybe it is something that Show Moraine does frequently. And then uh, this and she, next Hold on, hold here, on, hold on. Oh. She did mention to Alana as well that she had heard of a way to, like, release the bond or whatever when they were talking about Warders last episode. Mm-hmm. And so maybe this is partially that way where she's masking it instead of, you know, fully cutting it off. Not sure. Um, but Lan mentions how there's enemies everywhere and that... Or it's Moraine, actually, that mentions that there's enemies everywhere and that the priority for Lan is no longer protecting her. The priority for Lan is to protect the Emmonsfield Five, which is a huge shift and something I don't think Lan would actually follow. What are your thoughts on that part? I agree, but in the books, it was the same way where she did put their safety over her own. She did. At some parts. But I don't think Lan necessarily would. Oh, well, no. Well, except for maybe one person. Except for one person, yes. <laughs> um, but then we get Pillow Friends reuniting here. Yes, and this is that shout-out to Matthew Scott here. You called it. Um, wasn't a flashback. It ended up being that that painting was a Terran Griel. So that was really interesting how they did that. And for those who may not know, a Terran Grail is an item in this world where you channel flows into and it does something. We see two in this episode, the golden painting wall hanging and then the oath rod later on. Right. And so the Terran Grail on her wall here turns out to be a gateway which she uses to go and meet Swan in an unspecified location. But I'd be willing to bet it's down in tier because it was storming and everything and just kind of mm. reminded me of her childhood hut there. I did see some speculation that this was actually Talion Riyadh, which is the world of dreams. But when you go into the x-ray again for this scene, it specifically mentions that like this this uh, Trangrial is used for traveling. So I think it's more of a different location than um, the world of dreams for this one. But very interesting. I did mention how I wrote down in my notes here that my code for this scene is pillow friends reunite, because if you have read the books, especially new spring, there's reference to Swan and Moraine being what's referred to as pillow friends in the book when they were novices, which is essentially what I'm taking as, you know, like coded for lovers when they were young novices alone in the tower when there were no one else when there was no one else around there for them to show romantic interest in other than women so maybe they explored that relationship then and there but it's not so much carried over into their adult relationship that we see in the books at least but it does look like it's carried over that way here on screen um so what were your thoughts about this scene because there was a part of it that i really liked 
And the part that I really liked was how when Moraine and Swan are kissing, uh, Moraine kind of stops Swan and is like, on your knees. Because earlier on in the episode, Swan made Moraine get down on her knees to bow before the Hall of the Tower. (laughs) And Moraine's like, I bowed for you in the hall. You're bowing to me in the bedroom. So I thought that was a great scene. I thought it was really funny. It was funny. And it leads into a comment Moraine makes later on in the show. But I liked Swan in this scene so much because this was like the dialogue Swan had. I was like, oh, this is like classic Swan Sanche calling her a puffer fish and the way she like at the beginning like was talking to her is very kind of heated a little bit and uh, had a little edge to it and i thought it was really great because you got what you had said earlier some of those references to her upbringing so that was nice yeah i really just wish that we got more cursing from swan that swan was a little (laughs) more rough around the edges because i do like swan so far in the show here but she is way too polished i think yeah, I'd agree with that a bit. I'd agree. We've just had little glimpses of it. Again, we have hardly any scenes with Swan. We've had hardly any scenes with Loyal. So, like, mm-hmm. I'm really saving my final judgment for those two characters until we have more time with them. So, we'll see what the future brings. Um, but this next part here is a part that... I definitely want to dig into a little bit more than the surface level. Yeah, you go ahead and lead this one. I know you wrote it all down word for word, so you can take the reins. Yes. (laughs) So uh, this part here, the part I want to talk about is with Moraine and Swan talking about the prophecies of the dragon. Moraine says that how she found five potential dragons in the same village. Four of the right age, but Nynaeve is too old. But how can they discount the power that Nynaeve has shown so far, being more powerful than anybody in the last thousand years? And how every town has a different legend about where the dragon will be reborn, how they will appear, the way they will break or save the world. And then that right there is what I want to pause on and talk about for a second, because Swan's response to this, and this is where I start to write down the word-for-word responses. Swan says, Our prophecies are clear. Moraine counters, 3,000-year-old prophecies that have been translated again and again by hundreds of Aes Sedai. From a gleeman, I heard the tale of a many-headed dragon. Swan counters, The last dragon was one man, why would the wheel split his soul into many? Moraine comes back. What if Jatara's vision was wrong? Swan counters. You were there. Moraine's like, I know less now than I did then. So why I want to highlight this section here of this particular scene is because of how much I hate it. <laughs> so first of all... <laughs> I absolutely despise this scene because what this scene represents to me is this scene shows Moraine being a conspiracy theorist, believing every piece of scrap of information she can get and using what she's hearing out in the villages and hearing from people that really don't necessarily know anything and taking that as more of a fact than a foretelling, which the definition of a foretelling is is the definite is to be able to tell the future and be accurate with it. 
So that's why foretellings are valuable, because of how they're always true. And so Swan references Jatara Morosa, who Mike and I have mentioned previously in this podcast here, is the woman who had the foretelling when the Dragon Reborn was born. And when she had this foretelling, there were only three other people present. There was the Omerlin Seat at that time. R.I.P. Yeah, who died shortly after. And there was Moraine and Swan. And this was the dawn of their mission to find the Dragon Reborn. Because they knew for a fact, because it was from a foretelling, that the dragon had been reborn. And so they've been searching for the Dragon Reborn ever since. And so for her to just throw out what she's dedicated the last 20 years of her life to is a little ridiculous to me. So the other thing that I want to take away from this scene here is that, to me, this seemed like the showrunners, the writers, justifying the changes they've made to the Dragon Reborn lore. And their explanation, which is pretty much what, word for word, Rafi Judkins said in his AMA on Reddit the other time that I talked about when he uh, said, oh, why would Moraine trust what was written 3,000 years ago? That doesn't seem like her character at all. <laughs> but and we've seen them do this a couple yes. times with Loyal explaining why everyone was so like diverse and in others like they've done it so many they're done it and they're probably going to continue doing it like dropping these little like dialogues where they're explaining why things are the way they are right and so my big takeaway again from this scene is that I really don't like how I really don't like it I really don't like how Moraine is basically discounting the superiority of the knowledge that's acquired through the White Tower versus the knowledge of villages and taking like a Gleeman's Tale of Five Dragons. Now, I do want to talk, touch on that Five Dragon theory there for a second. Because although this is not in the books, <clears throat> one thing that is in the books is the importance of the other Taviran to the dragon. Mm. Where you have the dragon reborn in the books, and it's kind of referred to almost as like a chair or a stool or whatever. Where yeah. there's the three lace, there's three Taviran in the books. So there's the three Taviran. If one of them were to fall, the entire thing would fall, topple. The entire chair would fall over. Yeah. And so... That's kind of what I'm wondering if they're going to go with the multi-headed dragon scenario where you have to have all of these people working together because they're all important for the pattern, even though they're not all technically the dragon. And I also don't like the idea of I have five potential dragons. And I'm like, there's only one. Yeah, dragon. they're going like, to resolve that. Yeah. And they haven't even talked about Taviran again. I think we may, you know, uh, hopefully they'll have Loyal explain that next episode, but. Yeah, I mean, I just, I feel like they're really, really playing up the whole who is the Dragon Reborn thing this season. And I'm really interested to see where the show will go once it's established, because I have a sneaking suspicion I will like it so much more <laughs> once we have that direction. Um, moving on, though. Moraine well, they, wants... they say how important it is to keep it secret because yeah, that's what I was gonna stilled, go to. which is female yes. gentling. And then I love the, little, the line at the end there where Suan calls 
uh, <laughs> Maureen a little puffer fish. <laughs> She's like, put your spikes away. I'll talk to you once you're not on the defensive. <laughs> yeah. And then we get one of my favorite lines from the book as well. I'll kill them myself before I let them have him. Uh, and that was because they talked about how, and I know you have an issue with this, and I actually have an issue with this, that the eye of the world is where the Dark One's prison is, and we can go and we can end this now. And I was like, uh, yeah, no, that's two different locations, but okay. So yeah, in the books, the Dark One's mm. prison is in a location called Shale Ghoul. And Correct. it's... So the Eye of the World is more of like a, oh, you go, you find this place. It's like a legendary thing out in the Blight, and you get a special reward, basically. Hopefully and, they explain this in the next episode, too. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking, like, maybe when we get to Shinar or something like that, they'll, uh, they'll or they'll mention it, or Foldara. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping Loyal gives a lot of exposition next episode, because he likes to talk about things. I mean, I'm thinking next episode we'll see the most of Loyal we've seen yet, and I'm hoping for the same thing, because yeah. I think he has the potential to be that knowledge dump on the viewers. Mm. Um, but so Swan also mentions how, like, the going there to the Dark One's prison at the Eye of the World could be dangerous for those who are not the dragon, and how it's basically sacrificing them to the slaughter, because no one that gets between the dark one and the dragon reborn will be a lot left living or something like that. So I thought again, eh, whatever kind of weak, but I thought it was kind of dumb. It just feels like we're just trying to make like more, make the stakes higher basically. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. So then we have the next scene is Moraine traipsing down the hallway and Leandrin is like, oh, where are you coming from? Seeing Matt Coffin from the Two Rivers. Yeah. For real, though. And so, like, Leandrin's basically trying to say, I know roughly what you're up to, Moraine, said I. I'm going to call you out even more. And so Moraine, <laughs> Moraine smacks down. down on Leandrin, and I loved it. Uh, she's like, don't make me tell the Amralin and everyone else about the man you've been meeting in North Harbor. I've seen you. What do you think your red sisters would do if they found out? And Mike and I have some theories about this as well, and we're not going to save them quite yet. Um, we'll save that for a different episode. But it was really good because, again, Moraine's just, like, giving the smack down to Leandrin, and I'm always down to see that happen. Although Leandrin... I like her actress in the show. I think she's doing a great job, but mm -hmm. I still don't like her. So it's okay. Which is good. That means she's doing a good job. We talked about this before the show started, but we do think that at least at this time, they're not introducing Elida's character and they've sort of meshed yeah. Elida's character and Leandrin's to make one antagonist in the tower. And Basically I, I, one challenger to Swan for the yeah. Umberland seat. Which makes sense. Because that helps the viewers just focus on this one person. But I don't... I mean, Elida is so important to the series that I really hope they bring her in. Because Leandra and Elida do have two very different paths in the future. So and right like, now, mm -hmm. they go... Like, they can mesh well together, but later yeah. on, they do fork off in different directions, so... Hoping we see her in season two. Um, we'll see, though. But Moraine goes off and meets Loyal who Lan says he likes to talk. Just be ready about that. 
Brandon's like, ah, I got this. I can handle that. Um, so she comes right out. Glory to the builders, which is one of the Shinaran greetings for the, you know, Ogier. And a lot of people highly respect Ogier because they are, like, superior craftsmen for a lot of things, particularly stonework. Although the Ogier aren't really proud of their stonework that much. They mostly care about their gardens. But men and mortals love the stonework. Um, anyways, Moraine enlists Loyal to help her out with a secret task that we don't know, but we really do by the end of this, basically. Like, oh, come to the ways with me. Let's... Yeah. <laughs> um, but we'll talk about that. Slight... I know. Yeah, I want to talk about the ways when we get to there, because if that's what this is involved. Um, because, uh, yeah, yeah, it's big feelings. Big feelings. <laughs> Um, so, Egwene and Nynaeve have their reintroduction to each other, loving on each other, being like, oh my god, I thought you were dead. And so it was nice to see just that reunion happen. And Nynaeve's coming out being brash already, being like, oh, the Amarlin can wait. And Moraine's like, Swan Sanche waits for one woman, and it's not you. It's me. <laughs> yeah, that was. I love that line and how it was delivered. Uh, like I was yes. like, "Yeah, Maureen, you know who owns those cheeks." <laughs> oh, but so Nynaeve and Egwene go in and get introduced to Swan, and Swan comes out, and I absolutely loved this particular part of the scene. She's like, "You're the most powerful channeler I've ever seen in the last thousand years." And Egwene's like, oh, thank you, Mom. And then oh my Swan's gosh. like, Nynaeve Almera. <laughs> yes. You, uh, the, Egwene did such uh, a good job. Her actress did such a good job. Because I, I wrote that down, too. I was like, Egwene's so proud. And then all of a sudden, it's just like, what the heck? She's talking about you? Wait, when could you channel? Like, oh, I love I was that like, scene. Yes, that was so good. And the interaction between... Nynaeve and Swan was really good too. Nynaeve just being all hurt Nynaeve self, you know. Yes. I don't have to listen to you. I'm gonna do my like I don't need to be respectful to you. You don't command respect from me. And Swan's just like, listen here, little daughter. The thing is though, is that she never did that. She never called down Nynaeve, and I really well, wish she would have. Not like in the sense of like daughter, because she's not an accepted, she is, you know, her own woman, but proving that her decisions were silly and her reasons for doing those things were silly. Like, okay, you don't want to do this? Well, then guess what? You're going to soak the world in darkness and kill everyone you ever loved. So you can either listen to us and do the right thing, or you can go your own way and get everyone killed. And so again, really quick here, we don't see what the Amarlin's response is to Egwene because Egwene's like, what would you have us do? And so we don't see what the Amarlin says to her. I think also it's important to know that they brought forward Nynaeve and Egwene because those are who I think Moraine most suspects is going to be the dragon. And so mm. she's like, oh, I'm going to introduce you to the Amarlin, you know, get a little uh, dragon and Amarlin rub on going here. And it just, I thought it was, and I really wish that Nynaeve got called down though, because this is the Amarlin we were talking about here. A woman who calls down queens, who calls down kings, who if she sends a letter telling the commander of the White Cloaks she wants to talk, he's there pronto. It's not somebody 
who's going to take crap from a village of wisdom, let alone someone who is Nynaeve's age. Like, But if they think mm. it's the dragon. Yes. She doesn't want to unleash the dragon. <laughs> uh, anyways, um, I thought, though, that the conversation that Swan had with them, where she's like, you know, the wheel doesn't care what you want. The wheel doesn't you're not free to love who you want to love you can't do all this i thought it was a great opportunity to say the wheel weaves the wheel wills and we didn't get that got that later yet we get it later on but i thought it was a great opportunity for i was waiting for it and i didn't get it (laughs) i liked the the room though oh yeah office very plain desk i was looking for that black um secret box yes it was there that was pretty cool and I, I wrote down, like, Loghain woke up, you know, choosing murder. He chose violence that day. And Nynaeve woke up choosing violence as well. <laughs> so. I, she did. I, I, was a, I was a little surprised that the Amarillan wasn't quite as hard. But at the same time, I, I just thought, like, she's trying to be amicable. <laughs> you know, she's as trying to get her to see her. Be, yeah. yeah. And it made me think of the scene in the books, which is later on in the series when Nynaeve and Egwene are going to the uh, tower for the first time, and Swan's training them. And yeah, at first, yes. at first, Swan is very like, very much like this. And then after a little bit, yes. then she, you know, puts her in her place. But, yes, then she's a hard ass. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm actually, I'm thinking we're gonna get that scene still. You think so? I I hope so at least because I would, I would hope so too. That that was that was fun. Yeah, it was fun. Trainings along the way. Um, um, anyways, um, let's go back to the book here. So next we get Maureen and Lan. Maureen's standing out on the side of the, like, on the tower, overlooking Tar- Tarvalon. And this scene was really cool because, it, to me, it was just Maureen saying goodbye. Yes. And the emotion on her face, even though this isn't her home anymore, quote-unquote, it's still someplace she has a lot of connection to, and you got that in this scene. Yeah, still important to her, even though it's no longer her home, for sure. And then we go to the hall, and she has to kiss the ring. She has to kiss the ring. And something we did not talk about with the whole Moraine and Swan scene earlier on is we never mentioned how Moraine told Swan, you need to exile me. This needs to be my punishment. Because yeah. if you don't exile me, then I'm going to be forced to stay here in the tower because that's what the head of the Blue Aja wants. And mm-hmm. I can't do that. I need to get to the eye of the world. And so this is how... She's going to be able to leave the tower again with everybody. And so, like, she tells Lan, no, don't come with me to my punishment here. Go and get everybody out now. So that way we can just go on the road as soon as we're done here. Yeah. And then we get the punishment called down in the tower. And I thought this was a little odd. Me too. That they used the oath rod for this. Because in the books, the oath rod was only used for... The three O's that this I said I took that we've talked about, not to lie, not to commit violence or create weapons for violence unless in defense of the warder or herself or her sisters. Um, so it was very odd that they were making her swear this oath on this, but I think they did it, one, to explain the oath rod to the viewer and to, again, get that I said I answer in there, which I actually kind of liked, but I thought was a little weird that no one else heard it. Well, so yes, this is what I wanted to talk about because... First of all, I agree with you 100%. The reason they involved the Oath Rod was to get that for the viewers so that people could actually see the Oath Rod being used. 
Mm. I personally think they should have just done a flashback to show the Oathrod being used or wait to do it until other people swear on the Oathrod. Because in the books, there is a scene later in the book series where the Oathrod is being used to bind oaths to Aes Sedai that are beyond the three traditional oaths. And it's like a whole big thing. It's a whole big thing where people happen. are furious about this because it's breaking Tower Law. Mm-hmm. So, again, like, this is not okay that Swan is doing this. But, again, I think it was done to try to show the, the viewers, here's the Oath Rod, here's what it does. So, the Oath gets put on you, you cannot break it. So, I wrote down, again, word for word, the exact verbiage, because, like Mike said... The wording is highly important, especially for an oath on the oath rod, where you cannot break it. Correct. So, Swan, well, yes, unless you're released from it, which there's certain ways to do that. Yeah. So, Swan says one thing, Moraine swears another, first of all. Mm -hmm. I did not write down exactly what Swan said, but Moraine says, By the light in the hope of my salvation and rebirth, I, Moraine Sedai, do swear to honor and obey Swan Sanche, daughter of the river, clever as a pike, strong as the tides, and never return until she calls me home, or my creator's face turn from me, and darkness consumes my soul. Mm-hmm. So my first thought upon hearing that oath was, what gives? Why is no one else in the tower hearing what Moraine is saying? Why are they okay with her basically buttering up Swan and them having that intimate moment? Do they not hear what's happening? It betrays their entire friendship completely. Yeah. And her voice, like, was very, it was lower during that part and then rose to the whole, and the creators. Yeah, the creators. Face turn from me and darkness consume my soul. <laughs> yeah, we could turn that into a song. Um, it's, I think it's definitely done intentionally to like, so all the people around, like, oh, okay, she swore on her like hope of salvation, like the hope of salvation and rebirth, basically. And she did, but not to the thing they thought that she was swearing to. Right. Which again, the I said I, if this was going to be a huge break in protocol, they would be listening to what was being sworn. So, mm-hmm. again, I don't like so, the scene. I, it was kind of weird. Yeah. It wasn't done as well as I would have liked it. I did like, though, that they all turned around as she was walking out. And even Alana, like, yeah. that I, Full I of emotion. That was, yeah. I like Alana a lot. And I hope we definitely see a lot of her in the series. Because she was an important nice Sedai in the books. And she wasn't really featured too much in the books. You know what I mean? She yeah, she was like, important, but underutilized. So then everybody turns around, looks away from Moraine, and I thought this was interesting. Go ahead, Mike. I just want to, so I did look up about Megan. Okay. Um, and we were both wrong. Oh. <laughs> she <lovely>. is important, <laughs> but later, later on in the books to uh, the next Amarlin that's, that we both know right now in the series. I don't want to spoil anything to the listener. But she was part of the next Amarlin's seat in council. So maybe they're just name dropping her to name drop her. But her saying she's going to explore the stuff out west makes me think that she ain't never coming back. Or next time we see her, maybe in a different situation. 
So, just hmm. wanted to throw that out there. Okay, well, you know what? I'm fine being wrong. It's fine. <laughs> oh, I am too. I don't mind. Yeah, no. I think there's so many names in the series that, whatever, we didn't vet it. I should have. Yeah. I think they're just trying to, you know, bring in as many characters as people may recognize as possible, too. Yes. Um, but anyways, what I was going to say is I thought it was interesting that she... So, Swan tells Moraine, turn around and face your sisters, right? And so, she turns around, looks at them all, and then with no, like... No fanfare at all. They all start turning around away from her. So she's by dead to them. yeah, so she's dead to them. But by exiling her, is she exiling them from or Moraine from the Aes Sedai, or is she exiling Moraine from Tarvalin or just the White Tower? Because she only well, the, the tower. tower and the sisters are like one and the same. A lot of times they refer to them mm. as you know. So I think you hit something there. But it's just both of them combined. Mm. Okay. So that is an interesting thing if Moraine is no longer considered Aes Sedai. Which would be weird because then you wouldn't have any other interactions with the Aes Sedai going forward? Don't know. Yeah, but I mean, one thing I did look up as well is I looked up if Moraine ever goes back to Tarvalin. Like, if she Moraine doesn't. actually ever goes to Tarvalin, and she never no. does in the entire book series. Correct. So she never. I don't think did. her being banished or exiled from Tarvalin is a big deal. No. But if she is indeed exiled from the Aes Sedai, then that would be a little bit strange. That would be very strange. Yes. Um, but so we have everybody meet back up at the Waygate. Such a great reunion. <clears throat> this made me smile. I was like, yes, the Emmons Field Five are back together. It was so cute. And yeah, uh, everybody's was... happy to see each other. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was interesting, though. So check this out. So I have everyone was happy to see each other, you know, hugging and everything like that. Mm-hmm. And then Perrin pokes fun at Matt for stealing an evil dagger. But this is the first time he's seen him. How would he know yeah. this story? Because Moraine specifically says there'll be plenty of time during our travels to share all of your stories with each other. So Perrin, like, already knows Matt's story? That was kind of weird timing with that. I agree. I thought so, too. I liked Matt's response, and I thought it was... I thought Matt was great. I was like, oh, he's got his humor back already. Um, and we'll get on to my other thoughts on that, but... So, I, next... I just think that, I mean, the Waygate looks cool. We know we're going into the Ways. Wasn't really explained too well. Because, again, I think they're going to save that for next episode a little bit more. So, I mean, Loyal explains the Ways as basically, uh, where is it here? Pathways. As ancient pathways out of time and space. Which, I mean, that's not a, that's not a very big explanation. No, but they don't explain the dangers and such. No, like, they don't. And so, yeah, so let's just dive into why, again, I hate this scene. <laughs> because they send the horses back. Yeah, so they send the horses away. So horses travel the ways all the time in the books. Not yeah. a big deal. Dumb change. Because how else do you carry food and everything else you need? <laughs> yeah, right now you have your just... pack horses. You have yeah. your supplies for your travels. Are you just going to go, like... I didn't see anyone what you have on your back? No, no backpacks, no bags, just like little belt pouches. So Mm. that's a dumb decision, first of all. Uh, Second Mm. of all, requiring the one power to open up the way gate is a huge freaking deal. 
I know, like, the symbol that was kind of showing when she was doing her weaves. It, it was a like trifoil a leaf. leaf, yes. Yeah. And I was like, okay, like, I get that nod to the show, but why even have Loyal there? Right. What's the deal? What's why the have Loyal here if you don't need him to open the gate for you? Yeah, that was, like, in the books. He knew how to open the gates, and he, and I'm, I'm sure they're going to have him lead him on the way because he's the only yeah, one he can. He'll read the signage inside mm-hmm. the ways, which is probably why Maureen needed him but for the show here, but... It was just, I was like, just have him open the gate, because otherwise, basically, you're saying that the only way anyone can ever travel the gates is through the use of the one power, which Not just brings... the one power, Mike, Sidar. Not just the one power, just Sidar, which brings together an entire other thing of issues, because the two halves of the power are different. You're not going to have Sidine being able to Wait, do the same thing as Sidar. did they just say only Sidar could open it? No, but Moraine wields Sidar, so... She oh. can't wield Sidine, so, well, I was, that's so I'm true. thinking the implications are even bigger. But I've, I'm sure Sidine could open it, too. Maybe, I don't know. But either and way, maybe, it's a huge deal. Maybe that's only one way to open the gate, but I have a big issue with it because, and this is, I'm going to tell everyone right now, this is a spoiler. We'll probably find this out in the next episode, but if you don't want to hear, you've been warned. Skip ahead, like, 60 seconds. Yeah, skip ahead, like, a minute. Okay, so this is my big issue here, is that... In the books, we know, next episode, and we should figure this out, that the Trollocs have been traveling through the ways. So how the heck are they opening it up if they don't have... I mean, we know there's dark Black Aja and stuff. So is that how they're going to introduce the Black Aja? Is they're going to be like, oh, someone's been open... They've been traveling the ways. Who would have opened the ways waygate for them? Must have been an Aes Sedai. Oh, no. Like... Yeah, creating more problems than you needed to if you just had loyal freaking open the door and like boom anyone could open the door which is true and you should make it happen that way because anyone could have used these pathways when they were good so okay now that's the end of our spoiler thing there for the ways there but again yes it was a waste for so many future things that could happen (sighs) especially like when we talk oh my god man so many implications I'm thinking exactly yeah it's if you cannot open the ways without using the one power, this is going to be like for real big, like huge changing to the to the story here. Anyways, not a big fan of this. We get that. Um, so here is where it's revealed that the Dark One's prison is at the eye of the world. Not mm-hmm. a fan of that either. Nah. But we'll see. Maybe Moraine doesn't actually know anything because, as we found out, she doesn't she does trust 3,000-year-old prophecies, so she doesn't trust anything. Uh, <laughs> she knows less now than she did when she was a novice, so apparently. Yeah. Um, but this is also where we're getting our farewell to Matt in perhaps the worst possible way why? they could have done it. Why? I want to know why they decided to leave Matt behind. Are they trying Here to create is why. a separate storyline where he goes after the dagger? Here's why. Because the actor for Matt, Barney Harris, left this left the series. And so what they did is they decided, fine, you're leaving the series. We're going to just cut you out here and make it as a nice transition. So the next time we see Matt, it'll be Donald Finn, be the new actor. And I just think there could have been so many better ways to do this. Like, if they would have left Matt in Tarvalin because he needed to recover longer from the healing of the dagger possession, would then... Would have made much more sense. Yes. But this way here, it was, it's a waste. It's a waste because now we've already... We had maybe three episodes where I liked Matt 
And then the rest of them have been crappy episodes with Matt. And so we get three more without, with him being bad, a bad character. And now we don't have him for the last two of this season. So no one's really going to like Matt. No one's going to give a crap about him not being with them anymore. So, oh man. You bringing that up brings a lot of implications though for next season. I think maybe we'll see that he's gone back and maybe found Tom. And maybe that's how we get Tom brought back in later on. So it could have some interesting implications with that. And you make a lot of sense by saying they're changing out the actor, but they could have done it better by he just needs to rest. That would have been such an easy way to, okay, he's kind of written off, he's resting. And then all of a sudden you have, like, even maybe put him into, like, a coma. Like, he's just asleep. And, yeah. And, like, he's been moved to the Yellow Aja wing. And all of a sudden next season, uh, like, you start off and he just wakes up. Boom, exactly right there exactly. and it's donald finn and it's like it's had different changes on him like and we would have been like okay we we get it we know but at the same time it would have been a good transition right so what we're saying right now is that mike and i and probably along with all of you mm. are better writers than what they have for the show right now so in some sense uh, in some you know, sense we're some joking credit. they've done yes. some they've done some good stuff but this leave just him staring at him with no explanation and nothing and if we don't see him again for the next few episodes like you're gonna forget about him it just makes me mad like why yes because right now all you've done is you've created a conflict between matt and the other characters which didn't which shouldn't exist at all yeah i don't know seems stupid but what do we know we're not paid anything (laughs) Uh, but we do get moraine saying the wheel weaves as the wheel wills here which was nice to hear that set in here. Mm-hmm. Um, and we get our first peek into the ways. So I just want your thoughts on what we saw so far of the ways, like the quick glimpse that we have, because we're going to spend the next episode fully in the ways. So, I mean, it was just a quick glimpse. Honestly, I got, and people may hate me for saying this, like mine's a Moria vibes. <laughs> You're not wrong. And I'd be very disappointed if a certain Gollum character didn't follow them. I would agree with you 100%, but knowing the changes to the ways, how could said character do this? Well, unless a certain snake in the grass helps him out. That's very true. <laughs> okay, so uh, so now we've talked about all of this episode. So just conclusion thoughts on this episode here. Personally, this is my least favorite episode of the season so far. And the reason it is so is because of the far-reaching implications some of these changes have made. Yeah. And I just, I'm not a big fan of that. Um, I did really like the scene with Matt getting the corruption healed from him. That was my favorite scene of this episode. It was really cool. And I think all in all, you know, again, the show is not a perfect representation of what I wish it was, um, but it's still very entertaining to me. I still am enjoying the show all in all for what it is. Yeah, I'm not ready to say it's my least favorite episode yet. I definitely think because of the lack of action, it's definitely down there at the bottom and really lack of any new information. I know that sounds weird, but really it was just sort of making things a little clearer for us as viewers, but we kind of knew. And I don't like what they did with mad at the end there like we just talked about and the opening of the portal was not a fan of that so yeah i'd agree definitely some things here that i didn't like or didn't enjoy 
So the reason why that I said last episode that episode six is rumored to be the best episode of the season is because, again, going back to the interviews with Rafi Judkins, the showrunner for the show here, has stated that his personal favorite episode of the first season was episode six, which just means that Rafi likes to watch the world burn, in my opinion. Um, so... Um, that well, is why liked, I thought it was going to be good. He but. liked some of the interactions, and he, he might have liked some of the filming of some of those scenes, like with more rain and stuff. Right, it's always a possibility. All right, so jumping into predictions for next episode. Mike, what is the title of the next episode? It's called Into the Ways. <laughs> into the Ways! I should have said that, maybe I'll just do the Into the Unknown next episode, except I'll be like, Into the Ways. There you go. Yeah. Um, so obviously we're going to be in the ways. I think we're definitely going to have a lot of loyal explaining things, which will be good. Hopefully we get explanations for the Taveran. Hopefully we get explanations for the Waygate and how things were and how uh, an explanation on the Ogier. I think that's long over. Yeah, there. right? For real. Um, hopefully we'll see Nynaeve and Egwene practice channeling. We get maybe an explanation on parent. Honestly, I'm just looking for next episode a lot of explanations, intermingled with a lot of action chasing. When we get eh, when we get introduced to the Black Wind, <laughs> so that's kind of my theory. And at the end, we end up getting out, and then we'll get our view of Faldara. What are your thoughts, Dylan? So this was episode six. There's only two episodes left. In this first season, which is crazy to think about. Yeah. So I don't think we'll get a full episode in the ways. Oh. I think that we're going to be into the ways for a bunch of this episode, but we'll get to Faldara. Yeah. I think next episode as well, we'll get our first introduction to men. Mm. And I Mm. think that we'll have maybe Rand start some sword training with Lan, maybe. Oh, I think that could be cool. Episode, yeah. Yeah, I'm just kind of thinking good, of like filler information stuff, basically. Yeah. Um, and so I think the ending of this next episode is going to be the group getting ready to go to the Eye of the World, finally. Mm, um, that's but a good point. I think this next episode will be more of an information dump. We'll see some more characters that we've been wanting to see. And just hopefully, hopefully it will be better than what we just got here. (laughs) (laughs) I agree. We'll definitely have a little bit more action, at least. And yeah, they got to do it. I'm interested. I'm really excited to see how they do the black wind. Me too. So we had mentioned this before this, the season even started. Um, There is an evil entity within the ways called Mashin Chin. And it's, yeah, it's otherwise known as the black wind. And so this thing eats your soul. So (laughs) (laughs) we're hoping, I'm, I'm really interested to see how it's portrayed I think it's probably going to look a little bit like Mashadar from Shadow yeah. Logoth, maybe. I feel like so, too, except maybe, like, I don't know. It makes, I when I picture it, I think about uh, uh, Spirit Away, and in that animated, great movie, by the way, animated movie is this, like, kind of this ghost with a white face mask on, and it just starts consuming everything, and starts chasing this girl, and it's, like, just oozing and, like, taking over things and like as it's chasing her that's kind of what i always picture with uh mashinchen so i'm hoping for something similar to that and dylan i'll have to show you a clip of that <laughs> i've actually seen up. spirited away oh yeah so you know what i'm talking I have, about right? yes i know what you're talking about yes yeah. great great analogy right 
It's it's a good one. I like it. I think it's funny. I hope we don't get the face mask, but oh no no no, obviously <laughs> it'll not be that, good. But whoa, we yeah. should get faces. Well, that'd be cool. Like if we got like foggy spirit faces of everyone that it's consumed, kind of like bulging out and going back in. Yeah, yeah it'd be funky. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah. All right. So that's all we got for you guys for this week here. Feel um, free to share all we got. Your we got you for an hour and twenty minutes. Yeah. I know. All right. So. <laughs> Yeah, feel free. Hit us up on social media, Instagram, Twitter, at WOT Rewind. Email at wheel, or sorry, email is uh, wheel of time rewind at gmail.com. Let us know your thoughts and theories. We're looking forward to seeing what the rest of the season's got for us. Um, I know we were a little bit negative towards the show on this part here, but we're still enjoying it. You know, as fans, we have a right to complain. Why wouldn't we complain? <laughs> so It's always good um, to have criticism. Exactly. It shows you care about something correct all right so with that being said we'll see you all at the next turning of the wheel goodbye pour one out for matt bye wheel of time rewind blooper uh, please enjoy. This was from this episode's recording, and it's just a little, uh, little rough, but we thought it was kind of funny, so we'll share. It. Uh, and I like this scene because Moraine standing there on this, you know, look out looking over Tarvalon, Tarvalon, Tarvalon. Oh my gosh! I oh no! You're calling it everything. I'm, I'm going <laughs> to delete this part. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> we get Moraine looking out over Tarvalon. Okay, take three. <laughs> we get Nynaeve looking out over... Oh, blood ashes. You just say it. Okay. <laughs> Hold on. You get Moraine looking out over Harvalon. Ah! Okay, I got it. I got this. I got this. Mm. So then we get... <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> Oh my god. Uh, <laughs> you I should clip this part and just like get a separate audio version of this so we could like post a blooper thing. At the very end. Mm. I'm gonna post it after the end of the credits, I think. Um <laughs> Okay. <laughs>